I'm Pam Warhurst. I work with Incredible Edible Tobberdon, have been doing for the past six years to uh, try and get people thinking about themselves and their environment a bit more. What does austerity look like in Todmorden? Well, the most obvious phase of austerity is the fact we've got a food bank, food collection point, food, whatever you want to call it, where I think about 70 different people once a month have to go through the doors to collect food in order to meet some need at, uh, at their end. So that's the obvious phase of austerity. But, you know, there's a lot of austerity that we don't always catch. You know, there's the... The people who have been challenged for a heck of a long time, not just in this recent recession, with uh, making ends meet, you know, the people that um, are from some of our communities where thinking about paying their bills and giving their kids, you know, decent food and all the rest of it may not necessarily be possible, at least in their minds. And then, of course, there's the austerity that we're probably only just starting to understand of the of the single and the elderly and the cold, which in a community of 16,000 people, given time, given people talking to people and reconnecting, you know, we may be able to have an impact on, but just at the moment, you know, I suspect they're out there and we don't know them. And, and, and how do you see Incredible Edible as a response to that? Well, if we take the last bit first and work forward. You know, Incredible Edible is trying to do a number of things. It's trying to reconnect communities using food as the medium. It's trying to reskill communities using local food. And it's trying to stimulate economic opportunities, no matter how modest, again, with a focus on local food. So if you kind of work through all that lot, you know, it's got a huge potential impact um, at a community level on what it means to not be able to make ends meet. And, you know, the other side of that, just be at your wit's end. So on the community scale, um, it's about growing in very public places. It's about getting people having conversations with complete strangers. It's about people thinking about food in a more hands-on way. Oh, I could do that in my front garden. Oh, I could do that in my back garden. Oh, I could start to share what I'm making. Maybe I can get, you know, the apples from that tree down the street, which everybody lets drop on the floor and make something of it. That type of very low level, but really important thinking around local food that I think has become a disconnect in recent times. Um, the second thing we can do in Incredible Edible is because we are interested in the lost arts, you know, it's about taking that to the next stage and saying, well, you know, we used to be able to make bread. We used to be able to make pickle and jams and know what to bottle when and whatever. Um, so why don't we find the folks who can teach their neighbours? Why don't we roll out a come dine with me programme where, you know, people are invited in on the estate and we make something really simple? Um, and that's the informal bit. But the other bit is, you know, how do we really put local food at the heart of the curriculum? How do we help schools with their aspiration to be at the heart of the community where it's a problem because they've got their agenda and the community hasn't got much of an agenda <laughs> and therefore, you know, they don't necessarily speak the same language. So how do we work in schools building on everything that's good, food for life, school food plan, you know, all the stuff they're already thinking about or the really good schools are thinking about, 
Um, and how do we add that community dimension to that to reconnect to everybody's family, uh, extended or otherwise? So we're working on that. Uh, and then the third bit, I suppose, the way we impact on austerity is, you know, trying to say local economies really matter. Sticky money really matters. And folks love to spend money on food if they've got money. Folks, visitors to a town love to seek out what's local and special. Well, you know, um, there's a lot of opportunity in a market town like Todmorden. Um, and there's lots of towns like Todmorden where we could get more market stalls selling local pies and pickles and whatever it is. And we can get perhaps more butchers, bakers and candlestick makers taking on people, maybe taking on apprentices, maybe, you know, just feeling confident about uh, making money in their local economy around food. And that, over time, can have an impact. So you square all that up about looking after your neighbour, learning your new skills, having a bit more economic confidence, feeding your family better, growing stuff in order that you can be more active as well as, you know, get good stuff on the table. And that's kind of where we play in. And I met Mary a little while ago from, from, from Tomadon, who works with you, I think, and we were talking about food banks, and she was saying food banks are terrible because they, they, they breed kind of dependency and despondency, and that actually uh, Incredible Edible Tomadon had taken a different approach to that. Uh, in its relationship with, with, with the food bank. What, what, what is the relationship of Incredible Edible with the local food bank? Yeah, um, I, think, uh, I think the general thinking is we absolutely get the need for a safety net. You know, we, abs we do understand that it is a gift um, that some people can bring to the table to say, I want to get more... Uh, I want to support people who simply haven't got the means of putting a, you know, a meal on the table. Uh, and I understand why people do that through food banks. It's a structure, it's, an, it's a necessity uh, as an immediate response. But uh, my line would be, you know, it's the, it's the first response, it's not the final response. It cannot be the only way you want to do these things. And increasingly, I think, many other people are seeing their work complementing that of the food bank. You know, because what we would want to do in our relationship with the food bank, as we talk, and we haven't got a very proactive one at the moment, but we're working one up, is to do what a lot of communities are doing and say, okay, well, you know, this is the box of food. What we want to do is to come in and help people make that, make that go further or... Uh, allow them over time to substitute what they're doing themselves for the things that I'm to ask other people for um, and make themselves more self-sufficient and uh, more proud of what they're able to achieve. But we're not simpletons, you know? If you are going to change that sort of skills bank and self-esteem and opportunity, you do not do it on a Sunday afternoon, in a year, or even in two years. It takes time to build that up in any real sense of the word, so that it's not something you're chucking money at, but something that actually is how a community would want to function. It would want to make sure that everybody had every opportunity they could to feed their own family well. So food bank, immediate response, understand why it's there, 
but it's the beginning, not the end. We would want to work alongside them and hoping to introduce things like working alongside Rachel Gilt with Chutney for Change, which is kind of like the northern equivalent to Rubies in the Rubble, um, to help set up small, maybe some, some small enterprises so that maybe some of those people, some of those mums, dads or whatever that are going to the food bank could work alongside Rachel in a Todmorden Chutney for Change so that we're using the waste products that are not uh, beyond consumption but not uh, suitable for sale over the supermarket counter in order to make the jams, the chutneys, the whatever it might be um, that people could consume themselves but also might, you know, create a little co-op and sell on the market. Just takes time to do that, Rob. That's our relationship. Our relationship is we want to work with those 70 people. We want to help those uh, kind people who have set up the food bank see that we are part of the offer. It doesn't start and end with the food bank. Mm. And you mentioned there about um, uh, trying to see the, the next step in the evolution of Incredible Edible as being about uh, helping people start new businesses, start new enterprises. What, what's your sense of where that could go? What's the potential? You know, you've, you've started growing food on the high street and outside the yeah. police station and stuff, but where could, where could it go as, as a new economic regeneration story? Do you yeah. Think? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I preface everything I say on these, uh, in these questions with we are part of something bigger, you know. So I think it's important to say that because I just want everybody to understand we understand we are a piece of a jigsaw. That's all we are. But we're increasingly pieces of jigsaws in many, many communities. Uh, and we're the piece of the jigsaw that perhaps a lot of people can better understand their own role in, as it were, that they're the solution, not the problem, because we have such a low, you know, entry level, if you want to put it that way. If you eat, you're in. It's as simple as that. So, and that was always our goal. We, you know, it was about creating a sense of, I can do this and I am part of something that is a better world. Um, and from that, other things follow. So to answer your question directly, um, it's my opinion, and we have not established this in any grand sense, that the future will need a lot more resilient local economies. And I can only speak for this country because it's the only country I'm familiar with in terms of its structures and policies and what have you. So, you know, we need more people understanding that, you know, the system as it operates now, the globalization, the large scale, you know, uh, detached financial model, there's something wrong with that somewhere. <laughs> it's blindingly obvious. Um, but how would the man on the street know where to start? Well, you know, our assistance around reskilling, first of all, opening, you know, letting the scales drop which local food grown in public places can do. See spaces differently. Understand your own role. Understand you've got something to offer. Understand the pound in your pocket can influence what happens locally. You know, that sort of dropping of the scales is the first protocol. Then that reskilling is the second protocol. And then the third one is, so what the heck am I going to do with this? And we all have to eat. And we've kind of, you know, we have been taken a ride, as it were, by the media for a long, long, long time, and I mean the advertising media and so on, that we have to have the McDonald's, we have to have the Nikes, we have to have 
beans flown from Africa? Because we do. Well, you know, once you start to unravel that, and I'm not doing an anti-anything, I'm doing a pro-alternative, you start to say, why? <laughs> why on earth do we have to have this? And actually, you know, if I've got 10 bob in my pocket, does it not make a lot more sense? Provided I know how to cook, you know, perhaps a broader range of things in season or uh, cheaper cuts of meat or whatever. Why don't I spend that in my local butchers, my local veg shop, my local whatever, instead of just brainlessly walking to the supermarket and back? So, you know, it seems to me that what we are doing is trying in a drip, drip, drip way, because, again, you can't rush this, to help people start to think of their own solutions to how they see the future. And I absolutely am certain that that's about more local economies. And one of the main reasons I'm certain about that, other than it's a, you know, there's a multiplier effect, isn't there? When you spend local food, it's got a much greater impact on the local community than a pound spent at a supermarket, which goes somewhere else. Although that does create jobs, I get that. For me, what's really important, if we are going to reconnect people long-term to the environment, to a more sustainable approach to living without having used those words, which is the long-term goal, um, local economies allow you to make financial decisions locally that take on board social and environmental impacts. They just do. It's a no-brainer. You don't want to poison your kids. You don't want to live in, you know, you don't want to live surrounded by polluted land. You don't, all these things will come as people start to understand that they have the means of change in their own hands. So for me, that detached, that, you know, that whole idea of institutional detachment impacting on our lives. Yeah, that you break that down by local economies. So it's a long answer because it's a long-term project. It's a forever project, Incredible Edible. Um, but I do think it helps us put in place the things that in 10 years' time, 20 years' time, we will say, thank God we started to do that 20 years ago. And how have, how have you... Um, uh... What does your focus on making this as inclusive as possible and as relevant to as many people from as many different backgrounds in the town look like in practice? How, how have you managed that in terms of the language you use, the yeah. approach you take? Yeah, well, we, we, so, so Ella, just simple things like we don't talk about sustainability, we don't talk about climate change, we don't talk about peak oil, we don't do any of that stuff because we have generations of people, not just people from the poorest backgrounds, but across the piece, who don't really, you know, they don't really get that. And if they did get that, they're bloody, they've no idea where they're going to start to be different. Um, and therefore, we use very simple language. We don't talk about organic, but we do that in our own practice, you know, in terms of permaculture and so on and so forth. Um, but we don't make a big play about it because what we want is to stimulate people's interest and self-belief. And you know, because we do have lots of little phrases that go along the way, like believe in the power of small actions and what have you. Our evidence of the last six years, they give people half a chance and they will, you know, want to do the right thing by them and theirs. What, what's the evidence of that? Well, we're working out on the, if you want to kind of like look across these, we're working out on the estates, um, working with 
uh, volunteers helping to build some raised beds or whatever it is they actually want. We've worked on our estates. If you, again, you want to use that as a, you know, as a um, uh, a proxy for meeting some of the challenges of those that haven't got uh, a right lot of money nor the means to get themselves out of a predicament. We'll, we'll be working on them with our come down with me, with our how to bake bread, with the this is how you graft a tree. You know, we put a thousand residents in Tobberdon through a really informal teach each other program, which was, you know, anything from take them up to a farm to, to how they make a sausage down to, you know, how you pickle or jam or preserve or whatever. So we've done that. We One of our spin-off social enterprises, which is the Incredible Aqua Garden, which we're launching on the 11th of November, where we will be, it'll be a learning centre for, oh, eventually, aquaponics, hydroponics and uh, horticulture stroke permaculture. Um, we've got apprentices in that and we're hoping, fingers crossed, very close to it, to work with the Housing Association on reskilling some of their tenants to be apprentices who will then be the champions on their own estates. So that's the beginning of a programme that we're very keen to roll out with many more social landlords uh, for people to help themselves. Um, we, you know, we, we do work across a number of communities. We've got a quite significant Polish community here. Um, and we're also trying, but, you know, we're only volunteers. We're no paid staff at the centre of this. So, you know, we're a bit organic in how we do stuff. <laughs> but, you know, we're trying to link into University of the Third Age so that all the skills that that organisation possesses can be shared. We've worked across with Age Concern to tell the stories of the past and those, you know, uh, older people who remember a different way of thinking about local food. So uh, in as far as we're a bunch of volunteers in this forever project, we are trying to reach out. And I guess I know people would criticise and say, you're a load of middle class elderly women or whatever. Well, we're not. Um, but us middle-class elderly women needed to kick something off because we perceived a need to kick it off. If it stays and ends with us, then we've bitterly failed. <laughs> but, of course, it's not. And increasingly, now that we're working through the high school, we've got some real champions in the sixth form there who are really starting to, oh, I get what you're doing. You're not just growing cabbages. Oh, great. Let's. So those conversations are starting to happen. So, so my last question is, could you argue that there is an upside to austerity is there a is there a potential within it as well as as well as the the downside of it i don't <laughs> okay i don't think anybody if they were sat in a room where they couldn't afford to put the fire on and didn't know what they were going to put on the table i think it would be a bit of an insult for me to say there's an upside to austerity what i would say is human beings are amazing in their ability to rise to a challenge and the upside of austerity, if there is one, is absolutely not for those experiencing it. But for those who have ears to hear and eyes to see, get off your backside and do something about it. And Incredible Edible is one way that people can do that. That's what I'd say. <laughs>